episode 204 here of the morning skate. You got your host, Ked. Uh, Fink, our Dallas Star guy, actually just our guy in general, has joined the pod. Fink, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, man. Dude, I'm just a guy. Just a guy doing things about Your guy's guy. Your guy's guy. We can all appreciate that. This is yeah. a pretty big podcast. Um, if you guys listen to Hockey Podcasts, I would say this guy's podcast on Spin Chicklets is arguably probably the best one that they've had, and it seems like every single time he goes on there, just new stories come out, different shit, and it's all laugh-out-loud funny. Uh, in prep for this, I listened to a couple of them this morning and I, there was a point where I was, I literally had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard and, uh, he is who he is and he shoots from the hip. He was drafted eighth overall in the 1995 NHL draft to the Montreal Canadians. He also has a bachelor of art degree in folklore and English. You could call him an actor cause he is an actor. Sure. And, uh, he released his first book tales of a first round, nothing in May, 2014, Terry Ryan. Welcome to the morning. Hey, how's it going, brother? Thanks guys. I appreciate it. I've since, uh, I've got to update that. I, I've, I've um, since got a second book out. It came out in October um, called Tales with TR Fights, Film, and Folklore. If anybody's interested, I'll try to impress you in the interview. If I don't impress, I don't impress. If you're interested and you want a book, DM me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Look at that. Look at the nice little plug in. That's not even, that's one, that's two books. Two books. I don't think yeah. I've read two books in my entire life. I, I read the Ruzioni autobiography. I'm definitely going to have to start reading these ones. Sound great. Terry, uh, if people don't know who you are, you're drafted uh, eighth overall in the, wow, 1995 NHL draft. Yeah. I think you nailed that to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, let's just kind of start from the beginning. You're from Newfoundland. Uh, just an unreal place, I guess. Uh, they had yeah. an ECHL team, the Growlers, I'm pretty sure. They ended they up do. playing against my Adirondack Thunder, so it was kind of nice to see those guys come in and I got the chance to talk to the Thunder guys about how they get there and like the different plane rides that they'd have to take to get there. But what was it like playing hockey growing up in Newfoundland? Tell us how you got into it. Uh, I know your, your old man was a hell of a hockey player. And uh, I guess like who, yeah, how'd you get in hockey? Well, yeah, my dad coached a local junior team. My dad played pro and everything. So it was always an influence, but here in Newfoundland, um, I guess way back then, it wasn't really my goal. There was no – my dad in, in, in a bunch in the 70s made pro. Dad played in the WHA. We did have some NHLers. Tony White had 30 goals for Washington in their in their bad year. It was the worst year ever, I think, for, for, for Washington Capitals. But for Tony White, it was his best. Uh, Danny House played a little bit. There was uh, – um, Darrell Williams played one in the 80s, I think. There was, you know, kind of – it. it, it it was off the radar. It, it didn't seem like a possibility. So I grew up loving hockey. My dad coached the local junior team. So I was on the ice all the time, picking up the pucks. They'd finish hockey and I'd be out there with my buddies back when, you know, the Zamboni driver would look the other way if there was some kids and let them have some ice time. So that was it. I was 13. I went to the Quebec International Bowie Tournament. I mean, I was ripping up locally, but I mean, again, I didn't think of Newfoundland as a hockey hotbed. And um, we did have John Slaney came out four years before me and he, he went ninth overall, but that, that was a bit of an anomaly because he left to go to Ontario. So, yeah, I, I can't say I really expected it. I loved hockey, though. I tell you that. I played all sports, baseball, soccer. Where I come from, Mount Pearl, is a real sports community. It's a, it's a suburb of St. John's, but it, um, my parents' house, actually, they had about 30,000, 40,000 people. My parents' house was one of the first houses in Mount Pearl, like top. Oh, no shit. Like fourth or fifth. So, it was the suburbs, but people started coming in from out around the bay, as they call it here. St. John's is the center. 
And, uh, you know, a nice little community. Mount Pearl is basically made up of people from other places. Um, at, le at least back then. Now it's got an identity. You know, we're 60 years into it. But, um, yeah, th that was it. So, you know, it was a nice community. We the type everybody played sports. And, you know, we, we were great teams. And we would, if you made the All-Star team in Mount Pearl, you got to go on a trip, which wasn't the case everywhere else. So that's another reason it was a, it was a great place. So, uh, you know, we, we went away with hockey, soccer, baseball, ball hockey, all of it. And then we went to the Peck Pee Wee Tournament, and I was rated number one. It's this huge Pee Wee Tournament, like 150 teams. And I started reading these articles and everything, and then I guess people started phoning it. I figured there was a chance. So now, to be honest with you, this team from Vancouver calls and wanted me to go play with them at a tournament called the Vancouver Super Series. But my dad, seeing an opportunity, said, you know, if you're here and you're that good at the Pee Wee tournament, and you're good here, probably even the best, but not by a landslide, we should take an All-Star team away. So what ended up happening is we took a team away, put it in this tournament. About 10 guys ended up getting scouted one way or another. And four or five years later, you had me, Danny Cleary, um, you had Teddy Purcell came out, Michael Ryder, Adam Party, Ryan Klo. So people started to really have a look. I guess you would give my dad credit with that. I mean, I, I played, but there was lots of guys with talent. My dad realized that, and it was starting to open up. So AAA teams started, and, and scouts started to actually come here rather than, you know, just you'd, – you'd, you'd have to win and go to a tournament. The only reason I got scouted was because we went to Pee Wee. Then no one gave Newfoundland any chance. We won, we won the provincial 16 to nothing. I had 10, and it didn't matter. Nobody was coming. That, that's wild. And like you mentioned, like I feel like because we're American, I grew up playing like – I just feel like there's so many other sports going on. Canada seems to have like the coolest like youth hockey tournaments and like and like midget and bantam and like they call them like super series, which make them sound super fucking sick. And then on yeah. top of that, you guys have ball hockey. We don't really have ball hockey here. And no, you, we don't. So did – did you were you playing that along with ice hockey growing up and it just kind of like it fit? You wouldn't believe it. We I I grew up adoring it, but you know, I took once I went away, and I went away at 14. I got scouted from that tournament to, to go to to stay out west by by Tri Cities, but I still had to play two years of Bantam before I went anywhere. So that that was that went crazy after that. I, I played Bantam, uh, junior my first year Bantam. And and that that was wild in itself. So so um that was happening but what was your question again the part, ball, ball hockey how'd you, oh, how'd yes, you yes. Ball, ball hockey, hockey sorry so i played up until that point but i'd love like all the best players from newfoundland all played ball hockey and in the late 80s early 90s they were winning national championships now from newfoundland would be a little bit if you were say from i don't know rhode island and you went to the nationals and like providence had to play new york you know like so uh Newfoundland usually is the sacrificial lamb. I told you I played a lot of lots of tournaments, but as Newfoundland, say if we went to the national baseball tournament again, it's hard not to have a defeatist attitude. I don't want to knock anybody from here or or our systems back then. It's changed a little bit since, but you know if you went away with the baseball team, you'd play the host the first game, and they'd beat us ten to one. Everybody gets a free hot dog, and oh shucks, those Newfoundlanders can really try. Right. They're so right. good, right? But it, it was just you know you lose, you lose, you lose. So, but ball hockey, we had a chance. And curling, we had a chance. We've since won Olympics. Uh, soccer, we had a chance. Not a great one, but at least we weren't a throwaway, right? There was a few sports. Rugby, rugby, another one. But other than those I just named, I don't know any. Like, you'd get, we'd get mopped 
by everybody. So, I mean, Team Newfoundland with 500,000 people is going to play Team Ontario, and that's the way it would work. You know, with, you know, there's more people in one of the boroughs of, of Toronto, let alone the rest of Ontario, than there is in all of Newfoundland. So that's the way that went. But ball hockey, we had a chance. We're dogs. Everybody can run, right? Not everybody can skate, but give me a seat. Everybody can run, and, and, and we're really hard workers. Add some talent in. So anyway, I grew up adoring it. And I went and, and you know, my career, be what it was, I, I always just saw hockey being my future, whether it was the NHL. But once I went away and, you know, I got drafted and I had confidence in myself. And, um, you know, I went high in the draft. And especially when that happened, I just thought, you know, I'll always be involved, whether it's playing in Europe. I didn't see an injury happening. So a lot of public stuff happened with Montreal. Um, I didn't like Michelle Terry and things like that. But, I mean, that isn't ultimately what, you know, I, I basically just wanted to get traded. And I did end up going to Dallas, although it took some work. But when I went there, I hurt my ankle. So I, I just couldn't play in the NHL anymore. I was so depressed. I came back home and I started watching. And I noticed that when I ran, it didn't hurt. It's, it, the boot being laced up, it's something about the, the pinching of those ligaments. It was a high ankle sprain. Like the, LeBron pressure, James and all, like the pressure and all that shit. Yeah. It's different compared exactly. to the Totally, totally. I didn't have the same stride. And my skating was my, if you want to call it a weakness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I had some great attributes going eighth overall, but skating was definitely the one that I needed to work on the most. Take a little bit of that away, and I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, I still play senior. I did before the pandemic. Probably won't now. But, you know, what I'm saying is that I I, I loved hockey, and I, could, I, I knew I could play, but I, I just saw it happening. There's no way I'm going to get up and play in the NHL. But anyway... I came home and I was really upset about that. And I did notice, I mean, it, it was hurting more at first. I mean, I could run, but, but after like say a year, I, I, I couldn't notice it at all when I ran. So I got playing a little bit and the coach of the national team, George Gortzos phoned me and he uh, said, you know, I, I know you're a competitive guy and you're probably pretty down and out. And I was, um, you talk anxiety, depression, whatever. I mean, I know I, I don't want to knock people or, 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 or uh, underestimate people that are born with it, but you know, maybe I'm prone to it, but I was always a happy, you know, I'm a passionate person. If I'm up, I'm up, I'm down. And I'd never really been down like that. I, I was like, God, I can't play. Well, it so makes once, sense. Once, you worked your whole life to, to yes. get to a point and, and you finally get to a team where you're like, okay, maybe I'm going to have a fucking chance. And then it, like, you can't do it. That's, that's heartbreaking, man. That's it horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. I did the only, the only icing on the cake was that I got to play in the NHL a little bit. So I can always say I'm an ex NHLer, but you know, I, I saw so much more of it. But when George called, yeah, I, I went and tried it. And, and he actually took me in 2003 to the World Championships in Sierra, Switzerland. Dominic Hasek was there then. Uh, he and, and he, you know, basically to open my eyes, I got over there and I had a little bit of weight on, not much, but for ball hockey, oh, no. Like, so I, he, he, you know, I played a little bit in the final. I only had one shift, but he said, I'm doing this for the future. And then in 05, 07, 09, I was an all star two of those years. I can't remember. We won, we won three world championships and uh, I'm still playing on the master's level. So that ended up being my passion more than anything. But, you know, one thing leads to another. I, I had, I regretted it a little bit at first, but looking back, there's really not much to regret. I should have gone back to Montreal camp. I know you didn't ask that, but you know, I, I got into the ball hockey and I can look back now and honestly say um, that not that I've moved on. Hockey's still a part of my life, but you know, I'm happy. I've got a great daughter, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, in good health, they had a great family and everything. So I, I look back with nothing but smiles and positivity. But 
Uh, a lot of that is because of ball hockey. It really gave me another kind of world to explore and to try to dominate, you know? No, and I, and I, Ted, I was going to say too, I think not only, uh, you know, uh, being an ex NHL or now you have that, you're also an ambassador for the game, not just ball hockey, but, but the NHL ice hockey, um, and, and Newfoundland, because before, you know, a lot of people, you know, Terry Ryan burst onto the spit and chiclet scene and, and they were like, who's this Terry Ryan guy. And then they do the videos with you in Newfoundland. They see the fun that you're having. And, and me personally, it's been a desire of mine and a passion of mine to go to Newfoundland because of the exposure that you gave that place. Um, and then you, you know, you were saying a lot in your interviews, you know, Newfoundland is often looked over. Uh, and now you see guys, uh, you know, I have to read this because we talked about you being a wordsmith. We talked about you having the, uh, the, the, the bachelor's in folklore and English. Uh, he's, got he's, got a he's got a degree, uh, not a big deal. Huge thing for, for people like me, you know, just striving to get by. But I want to read this. This is what you posted for a fellow Newfoundlander, uh, Alex Newhook, who just skated the ice last night, first time in the NHL. Uh, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Tom Brady won when he hit Tampa Bay. My favorite Sabres are Barnby and May. And Alex Newhook played his first game today. The future looks bright. He shoots left, not right. When he skates, he takes flight, even with lace bite. I really hope you kept the puck. I know a guy who calls himself Chuck. That's my favorite. We are all pumped and wish you good luck. Hockey fans here are happy as F-U-C. You can figure that out. A flea in a doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where, 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 where'd you write that? Because like I play on a Sunday skate thing, and the player of the week every week has to like, kind of do like this haiku or some shit. I won it one time. Again, not that big of a deal. A little bit of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I wrote mine right on the shitter. I had nowhere else to go. Like, I can't just kind of, like, hang out and write. Like, I was sitting there. I'm like, what else am I going to do? And I kind of figured it out. Like, well, where did these thoughts come to you? <laughs> I got, well, that's how I, um, I guess, I, I usually do those poems. There's a thing called memo. It's like cameo and here in Canada. Mm -hmm. you, and so, you know, again, I'm not like a hockey hall of famer, but people kind of got to know those. So over the years, I've always done it. I, I did them for my hockey teams before we... Before we go on to the ice, whatever team I'm with, I also do like either it's it's usually something to do with that. Um, oh, I bet the, that gets I, the boys going. I would. Yes, I do. I'll, I'll send. <laughs> there's a link. There's a link actually. Ask about George Gortzos. So I always do an intro before the game, and it's usually to do with like the hockey night in Canada or or or, or ACDC. There's something I kind of do an intro, and a lot of times it rhymes. Um, but to answer, I guess your 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 question, or to kind of go there. I was always really into creative writing. So, and growing up, I don't know if it was the place or the time, I'm 44, but had I even mentioned to anybody that I acted or I, I didn't at the time, or I wanted to, or I wrote like poetry or something, I definitely would have got a shit kicked. I, I definitely, there's no doubt that I would have been bullied. And I hate that. I, I didn't care. I used to fight the bullies. I'm not trying to be tough. That's, I was a schoolyard. I, I, I skipped a grade. So I was a grade ahead and I was big for my age. So, and a lot of people in the school I went to, Mary Queen of the World, no offense against them, but more than half my grade had failed. So most people in my grade were at least two years older than me. Um, so now they don't, I don't think they fail anybody. It's just a different system. And it was a tough school. So anyway, I, uh, and you know, being an athlete and, and the spotlight was often on me. So I got in a lot. I, I, I couldn't stand bullies. I think I ended up being the player I was because of that. Not in terms of talent. I mean, in the approach I took to the game. I got in a lot of fights. I didn't often start them. Um, but 
So that was a thing. We even had a thing here. If you, if you if you took these standardized tests at the beginning of the year and you finished in the top whatever percentage, you'd get to go to this special school once a week. It was called the enrichment program. So I went to the enrichment program from grade six to nine. And every Friday, I would go to the special school in St. John's, about 20 minutes from where I live. And you'd take like astronomy and Shakespeare and like whatever, like you take, they, they were extra even even if you were in high school i mean like astronomy in grade six it was wild <laughs> it was the smartest kids around now i i wasn't smart at, at mathematics or anything i just happened to be going to this school so i got to absorb that stuff but you didn't even have to pay attention there was no evaluation process but i loved the english and i loved like everything from reading about the the the, the morbid melancholy tales of edgar Allan poe to like when i heard poetry i thought it was it, it all rhymed. I couldn't believe when people were showing me Shakespeare. I didn't understand any of it, but I was like, wow. And like, I went out and bought a thesaurus even. And <laughs> I, I used to go through and, and, and come up with these. So if I ever wrote like a paper, I would look and go, okay, what's another word for good? Oh, I see. Uh, you know, scintillating or whatever, whatever it might be. And I try to do that to color up what I, and so over the years, I guess it became a little bit second nature to do that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean to be to be totally honest with you, I don't think that took three minutes. I just, I just went. I, I pick words that rhyme, and then I just fill it in. Hence, a lot of it doesn't even make sense. But just when it said I was proud of Alex Newham, but I mean, come on, I know a guy named Chuck. I just said, That's okay, beautiful. I'm going to leave. So I'll leave at the end. I'll, I'll, I'll leave everybody hanging. So what am I going to do? Fuck Chuck Lock. There you go. <laughs> anyway, honestly, that that's how it works. I do it backwards. I just pick like 16 words that rhyme and then I fill it in. There's you, there you go. There's a there tip. you go. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I'm going to out myself real quick, Ked, because uh, you were asking him. I'm a bath guy. Uh, so most of my morning skate articles uh, in the bathtub. Full just oh, full no transparency. Bath guy. I do that bath guy, big bath guy. Uh, you know, huge busy. bath guy. Yeah, at least one a day. I smoke half a joint. I go in. I put up at least or, or, or a show that I'd like to watch or or some information. Whether it's you know, I don't want to. I don't want to even say a news channel because it's so polarizing down there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll bring up let's say Twitter, whatever it might be, movie or whatever, and then I'll take a break and I'll do some writing. And I'm talking hot. I'm talking bubbles, candles, the whole thing every single night. It's part of my routine. I'm with you. I, I, it makes me feel good to know that now I, I have the basically the same routine as Terry Ryan. <laughs> if I took all the ideas out of my life that I've had in the bath, I wouldn't be as interesting. Not even half. <laughs> not even. And you, no, you're, half you're my, both books. And, okay, I'll give you an example. So the <laughs> pandemic started, and I had the, the first book was a, a bestseller, a multiple bestseller here in Canada. Well. I guess that goes by everywhere. So it's a multiple <laughs> bestseller. So um, the second one, though, I, I didn't know what to do. It's called Fights, Film, and Folklore. So it came out in October, but I put that together, guys. I was working on a film set. So I, I don't just act on the film set. Like I'm, I work on crew, too. I, you know, and a lot of actors, I think that's rare in the acting world. At least it is here. But I'm, I'm, I'm crew first. And like if I get an opportunity, yes. And there's enough. St. John's is a couple of studios. It's fair enough out of the way that people don't fly all the way over here all the time for one day. But it's a, hey, it's a hell of a day if you get to act in a show. And uh, I got to get into some stunts with Jason Momoa when they they had Frontier over here. So I taught Momoa to skate. He put me on his stunt team and took me over to Europe for a couple of different reasons. So once you meet those guys, he got my foot in the door. Again, I'm not this big stunt person or anything, but if a production comes here, I was on Momoa's stunt team. If I apply, I often... Yeah, you know, I'm often included. So, but anyway, 
uh, normally, like when people hear that, they think, you know, like they see me in something and they go, oh, you're an actor. Dude, like Letter Kenny. That was one day. I flew in. If you haven't seen that, by the way, you're, have you, do you know Letter Kenny? Oh, Unbelievable show. Unbelievable show. Okay, so I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a clip. It's Newfoundlanders, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it over to you on YouTube after this. You guys are like playing them in like a tournament or something. Yeah, right, yeah, and Riley, right. Jonesy, and Shorzy. And, and yeah, yeah, like, that's it. They want to so, beat you, and you guys are just like beaking right back at them. They're like, what totally. the fuck is going on? So like, <laughs> they called me. The casting called me from that and said, you know, we need a Newfoundlander. And then they saw my name come up. I'm one of the only, I'm the only hockey player I know of that's in the acting union. And I did my stunt training with Jason Momoa. So it often works. So. I don't often travel outside the province, but, you know, they wanted me to go up. It's in, filmed in Sudbury. But, you know, I fly in. It's great. They take care of it. It's a nice paycheck. for. But I, I'm back like three days later. People think, oh, you know, you worked on Letterkenny. I'm like, no, I, I worked on it. I met everybody that one day, you know, and then I was in two other things that year. So it looks like I'm an actor, but that's three days work. You know, the rest, the rest but I have a podcast, too, by the way, called Tales with Tierra. The spit and chicklets went over well, so I was like, I might as well. Send it. And that's, uh, so that, and that's just starting to make me money after a year. You guys know how that goes. Absolutely. Um, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of grinding, but I often, you know, it's all the, I, the, the, the promotion I do or my, my Instagram and all the social media almost is for the books and the radio and whatever it is. That, but now to get, to get back to it. Yeah. So it was a year and a half ago. We're hearing about this pandemic coming. I don't, I didn't think was going to happen once you we went on lockdown and once the NHL stopped, I'm like, okay, this shit is serious. It's real. <laughs> I know yeah. it's always going to be every time we hear this now, we're going to be used to this. But I remember when this started, like it, it almost, you all, it's quick to forget, but did, and did anybody really think the whole world was going to shut down? I mean, no, the guy, honestly, the no. guy in the NBA who got it was like, rubbing his shit all oh, over. Yeah. The oh place. yeah. It was, I believe it was Rudy Gobert. Yeah, he was, no, was joking about down. it. Yeah. Touching the microphones, I mean, yeah. I listened to, you know, all the main hockey podcasts, and people were laughing. They're like, and even when it was first, people were like, "Oh, you might, they might cancel some games." They were like, "Their NHL is never going to cancel ever. games." Like, right. So it started to happen. He's like, "Whoa!" So then I was like, "Then they said, you know, this might be a year, which around in Newfoundland, easier to bottle up, right? We just shut the borders. We we we've had half capacity, but for the most part of the last." year and three months, whatever it's been, we've been pretty normal, like compared to a lot of the world. Now you guys are starting to rebuild. You've come back faster, but you know, especially in Canada, right? Because in Canada for the most part, like shut down pretty much Canada right now. Yeah. But Newfoundland is different. It has been no when shit. Canada was all shut down before. Again, I had, I run a bar here. Everything was normal. We had a patio. Everything, it was normal last year. It was, we had, uh, um, they, they shut down main streets downtown, which are the oldest in North America, by the way, Water Street, George Street, it's a big party street here. Mm -hmm. um, very European downtown St. John's. But, so they made them, they just make them uh, walkways. They shut it all down so cars can get people were everywhere. There was outdoor malls, there was patios were open. It was just half capacity. But it's been very, very normal as opposed to everywhere else that we're looking. But yes, Alberta and Ontario right now mainly, but pretty much all of Canada, serious shutdown. And again, I don't want to get political. We really dropped the fucking ball there. But again, in Newfoundland, I'm all right. I just came from my daughter's soccer, going into work tonight. Again, run a bar, right? Doing my podcast tomorrow. So, but 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 anyway, at the very beginning, we were shut down for a couple of months, like everywhere else, and I didn't know when it was going to come back. So. I had these stories 
um, I, 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 you know, my mind's always racing if you can't tell from talking to this. Right? And I'm, I grew up an only child. So that first book wasn't so much this big biography I wanted to write. It was a memoir, memoirs from just shit that I'd written over the years. It's why I didn't really so much follow my career and like, this is, you know, I was born in 1977. It was more like everywhere I went, I felt unique. When I went out West, again, I had no brothers and sisters. Okay. So, um, I, I, in, in Newf there was no globalization of the internet and Newfoundland, there was Newfie jokes like Polish jokes. So I wasn't really, I had acne all over my face. I spoke with a real accent. If you think this is an accent and back then you couldn't even understand me. And I go to BC and I make the junior team. And you think that sounds real cool. It did at first, like, but I go out there, I'm like, man, I thought I was going to play Bantam. I make the junior team. I steal someone's spot, right? That's, that's, they take it serious, right? If, right. if you take a spot on a junior team, you don't think that now looking back, but uh, that's what I had to go through. People are like, what? He's on the team. He knows he's going to the WHL. Why doesn't he just play Bantam? Tri-City already got him here. I'm, I'm trying to make NCAA here, you know, and, and there was a lot of locals. So, it wasn't easy, but I, it was a unique experience. And then TSN came out, and then I led my junior team in scoring at 14, and I had 200 minutes, 220 penalty minutes. So now I'm like, wow, like I'll write about this because I'm the only 14 year old in Canada writing or or fighting. I mean, you know. And, and then I lost my virginity. It was just it was all insane. I guess that happens <laughs> to everybody. But you know, then I go to the Western Hockey League. I'm the only Newfoundlander in there. Then I go to the Montreal Canadiens, right? Their highest pick in 10 years. Everything that was happening to me felt like this is so unique. I don't know if I was thinking one day it'll be a book, but I was thinking like, I, you know, these are going to be great little short stories one day at least. Mm -hmm. So I had it almost the first one, you know, that was the motivation. It wasn't so much, this is me. It was therapeutic to write. So, you know, cause a lot of people had to take, you know, what did he do? Did he piss off the coach? Did he, was he have a drug problem? Like what, what did he do? He fought too much. And I, I hurt my, I still think I would have been a great asset. <laughs> To some team, I just hurt myself. But, you know, and there was a lot of in-between, though. I told the Montreal Canadiens to go fuck themselves along the way. I didn't handle <laughs> it the right way. I could have gone back to camp, right? But you can judge for yourself after reading it. But more, like, I got stories in there from, like, Idaho. I tried to put one in from every team. Colorado. These are West Coast League teams. Uh, I went to Cincinnati in the East Coast League. Orlando in the West Coast. Or Atlantic Coast. And I came here and played senior. Because I wanted it all represented. I look at it as... An opportunity, whether my personal career, you know, if you told me when I was 13 that I'd play one game in the NHL, I would have been pumped. But there was a three-year period where expectations went through the roof, and I understand why they did. But in my own little mind, that was always a bit of a disappointment. But I was living this life that was, if nothing else, really unique. So that, and, you know, I was meeting rock stars and stuff. Like, you know, when we, we went to play somewhere, I'd be like, what? I, I can meet who would be a good example, you know, because – in my mind, I wanted to meet Jim Cuddy and Gord Downey. They're Canadian. I don't know how much you guys know the Tragically Hip. Yep. But a lot of you, if not, you should. Yep. Uh, and your listeners are Blue Rodeo, but they were like my idol. Gord Downey, just exceptional. And he's, he's passed on now. But, you know, I got to meet him. And it was just wild. So, anyway, all that happened. And the book came out in 2015. And it, it travels. It took my life called Tales of the First Round Nothing up to that point. And, you know... It, it became a multiple bestseller and I was glad that people picked up, it, you know, that, that were interested, but there's a lot of great authors. I also know that I had to get lucky. I, I played, if there's one thing about being a suitcase in the minors is that all the teams supported me and I had support in the U S in Europe, 
in, right. in, in Canada, in Newfoundland, all these people that wanted, I mean, it could have been a bestseller just here in Newfoundland. And, and that's not an exaggeration. So it really took off. And then, of course, a few years went by. I went on Spit and Chicklets. And after that, it became a bestseller again for that year just through Spit and Chicklets. So now that being said, the book industry, you, you, you know, if you told me I was a best-selling author, I'd think that I would be sitting on a, in a valley now looking over the ocean in Europe somewhere. <laughs> Like a sick library in your house, dude. Just a a pipe, just packed. Book book sells for 20 bucks, I get 50 cents. So if if it sells a ton, then I do all right. What I actually do, I buy them wholesale and then I go and like do signings and resell them. So then at least I I can make five or 10 bucks. That's that's it. I'm not complaining. That's that's that world and people know it. Um, But then, so anyway, the beginning of all this. I had more stories, but I, but they weren't really in any order. And I still had some from, you know, I didn't want to make the first one too long either. It's a good, like, shitter read. Every story is long enough that you could get on the toilet, get off it, and, re- and read, you know, you'd have a chapter done. Basically, those, are, the, those are the best. Or whatever it might be, waiting in line. They're, they're short stories is what they are. So, you know, not that I went about it like that, but that just end, ends up what they ended up being. So then... I, I had some fight. I, w- I wanted to give my take on fights because I missed a year with post-concussion syndrome. And it was a very, very important year. I was 19. I made the Canadians. I'm sure that I would have many more, if not hundreds of games played. As I was Again, I was on the team. I at least would have played that year. Right. They had a record number of injuries. I was one of them. So, and I mean, I had a headache and I, I you know, People say depression, that was there, but I mean, won't you have depression if your head's fucked up, you know? I remember waking up and like going to grab something and my depth perception being off, throwing up, then like falling on the ground and going like, you know, of course depression comes with this. I can't fucking walk straight. (laughs) So, you know, uh, it it was one of the, it just really threw me off, but, but I came back from it and I had some interesting takes that, you know, I, I got post-concussion syndrome four times. Once was a year. That was the worst. But I, the other times... You had to deal with that shit for a year? A full year. 96, 97, man. Oh, my I, God, man. So I almost a full year. I got up one day, and I, I got some pills to thin out my blood. I took three months off, and then one day I got up. And literally one day, that's when I went to the Red Deer Rebels. I was in Montreal, and they're like, you know, you missed all this time. I went back and played in Red Deer. and I, I was, It was good. I can get one fight in Red Deer. I had two points a game. It was a great little uh, uh, platform for me to go back at pro hockey. The next year in the A, I got in 34 fights. I led the league, didn't get a concussion. The thing is, I've had it four times post-concussion. I mean, people say they get knocked out. Take take a morning going down in, in uh, hockey. You know, if they want to say that's knocked out, fine. But, you know, I wake up the next day, I got a bruise on my face. I almost call it a face injury, but my head's not fucked up. But going to, skating through the middle with your head down and getting run, uh, and, you know, I say at the time they were clean. I don't really know. Now that we got replay, we see that a lot of the time the elbow pad comes into the face, right? And elbow pads were starting to get pretty big. So not that I blame anybody. You know, I knew skating through the middle. I'm, I'm just saying that. It's also I a different game back then. Those guys, like, that was yeah. the fucking jungle, dude. You turn on, mm-hmm, like, the crazy. playoffs of, like, Rangers Canucks in 94, and, like, you watch the shit Mark Messier was doing when people were flying through the neutral zone. Yeah. Completely different right? sport. So, and, you know, hence – that's why, and I did it almost freely because I didn't get hit a lot because of fighting. Because I people knew I'd pick up for myself, and I'd always go to the first game I played Brendan Wynn in the Western League. I mean, he would tough, I knew I, yeah, oh. and he, he, beat, he beat me pretty good. But 
I was 16, but I knew then, and there was always a bit of respect, right? And I, I talked, I've never played with Brendan. Once in a while, I'll send him a message on Instagram. He'll say, hi, because you immediately get a little bit of respect. Yeah, and then, because yeah. he was the hardest in the league, hitter in the league is what I'm saying. So I was like, I don't want it. I'd rather fight somebody than get hit. And, and that says something. And now, you know, they want it gone and everything. So anyway, without getting too far into that, I had this take. So the whole first part of the book is really just some interesting takes on fighting from from the fact that guys, um, before I move on, you know, it, I, I say to people, like, what's the suspension in, in um, basketball? It's only a game. You, it's it's the ref's discrepancy. You throw a punch, you might get thrown out. It's it's at most a game. If LeBron fights Damian Lillard or something tomorrow, he's going to get thrown out. Maybe a game, but you're not getting a 20 game suspension. Baseball, the place goes up, right? And there's cheap shots in these sports. Mm -hmm. People, I know, I, I hate when people say it's part of the game and it shouldn't be. But the only it is penalized. It it's just that you know people have respect. Two guys square off. There, there's there's a level of real of, of, of fairness about it and uh, camaraderie even amongst the people that do it to each other because you know there the, you know the old rule I mean sometimes there's exceptions but for the most part I mean no one jumps in if it happens right. in football I mean it's embarrassing if it happens in basketball it's just this big melee any punch can come from anywhere right. but hockey people get it you got a weapon in your hand unless you want to take hitting out or you want to make it four on four or something then you're always going to have fighting. Yeah. Look what happened the other day with Washington. I, I'm saying yeah. this not because I like it, but I'm on that side of it. And I played, and I'm telling you, I just I just said, I'd rather fight a guy than take a hit. So I used to fight so much because I didn't like the hits. So now, what's happening with concussions? They're on the rise. What's happening with fights? They're on the way down. But, 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 this year I would like to know the stats because they kind of come back. And I don't mm -hmm. see how that cycle will ever go away. And people say, well, if only Tom Wilson had gotten suspended. Guys, it would have gone up anyway. If I'm on the Rangers, fuck this. I'm not taking it anymore. I'm going out there and I'm doing exactly what those guys did. And I, you can give me four or five games. It's the end of the year. Both teams are gone. It's hockey. And it, it, the guy actually brought that up to me in Tri-City last year. I went back to drop the puck before all this. And they were nice enough. Thank you, uh, Tri-City Americans, once again, for flying me out and doing that. And, uh, man, I sold a ton of books. And, uh, you know, and guy came up to me and he said, you know, can I cross check you in the face? I said, no, he was a fan. And it was an American that at the time had just started watching hockey. And he said, I heard of you and I wanted to come. I'm just getting into it late. And he said, can I trip you on a breakaway? I said, no. He said, oh, can I, you know, can I whack you over the shins? I said, no, obviously not. What are you getting at? And he said, no, and I can't fight either. It's a penalty. I went, you're right. He goes, it's just people do it more. It's part of the game because, but you could make it five games. They're still going to do it because if someone goes at Connor McDavid or whoever it might be, whatever the best player is on your team, or someone pulls a Tom Wilson the other night, it's just, you know, for so many reasons, there's a boundary. There's no other, every other sport, you can just run out of bounds. There's a boundary. You're skating, you're going way faster than everywhere else. Uh, you're, you've got a stick in your hands, right? There's, there's, it's finesse, but it, you can't just take that other side away. And as much as I'd love, I'd love to see it, guys, in a perfect world where there's none of it. Look what happens. We're going into the playoffs. What's going to happen if Montreal plays Toronto? I'm saying it from a Canadian brick, but these are two great examples because Toronto is a much better team. Yep. What are Montreal going to have to do? I hate have to beat the wheels off them. They're going to have to go at them. Exactly. They're going to have to, they, if they go talent on talent, 
it, it's going to be the, it's going to yeah. it's going to be Toronto, but they're going to have to get in their face. I know they don't have the team to do it. Hopefully Gallagher comes back and Weber. I know they got Anderson now. They got a few more guys, but you know they're going to have to the puck. They're going to have to win in between the whistles, like just. Puck drops, like just sucker guy, and hopefully Toronto comes back at you. And that's why it's hard. It just it goes right to that, and, and there's no way that it doesn't because Montreal said, let's just obey and let's let's make sure there's no fights for everybody. I mean, it might not get the fights, but it's going to be physical, and it's the playoffs, and there will always be the odd fight, and there will be dirt. But anyway, anyway. I think so it's funny you say that first. because you're talking about Montreal being the smaller guy uh, and, and having to fight against Toronto to kind of make a mental, mental dent. Yeah. Uh, look at look at the, the uh, you have to drop the the discover central division. Uh, I fucking hate that. Um, look yeah, at no. Tampa Bay and Florida. They hate each other, but they're yes. both arguably two of the top teams. And yeah, they, I, I think it's going to be one of those interesting things where it's not even a mental game in the regards of we're not as good as them. We can't skate with them. To me, they're on par. It's just going to be who can get under each other's skin just a little bit more to Florida get that Florida is edge. so underrated, man. I love Absolutely. Watching. One of my favorite teams to watch. And because Tampa's right there, no one talks about them. The Huberto is, is – is, every game I watch them is even more. We just don't see a lot of them. They're not televised a lot here. But I love it. Now, you, you can't obviously NHL Network, but I'm just saying as a rule, um, in Canada, we, we're getting mostly – Canadian teams, but even beyond that, with the very least we see is Florida for some reason. See all kinds of Tampa games, um, but that yeah, I mean, and 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 Barkoff, and it, I mean, you could go down the list. They're they're way way better, more skilled, I'll say, than people give them credit for. But even even when you get into it, like think about when the playoffs happen. I mean, generally as a rule, like regular season. Um, fights happen less in the playoffs, but that's more because like they, they used to be sent a message for the next game. They still happen though in the playoffs. And, and that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm like, you can make it as it, it, it can almost go, but it'll always get to the point like Le Cavalier and Aginla. I think it was in 03, 04, right? That was a series that just started to get really tough. It's not like it was goonery, but just eventually shit hits the fan. And you don't want to kick those student superstars out for 10 games for doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. I think what was it? People argue Tom Wilson, the biggest, biggest jackass or biggest goon in hockey. Well, all I know is that Washington needed something for a while. Tom Wilson joined the team. They go, they get knocked off the first year by upset, and then they they win the cup or, you know, in, in early in his time there. I don't know if it was his second or third year, but they were missing that in 2009, 10, 11, all that way up. Then they get it. Lo and behold, they win the cup, and they're a serious contender since. Now, mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Rather than let's, because Tom Wilson's are always going to be there. Now, it might be a new age. I hate the word goon. I don't even like enforcer. And I used to get pissed off when they used to have him. I'm like, isn't that appeal? I, I, I don't consider myself an enforcer, but isn't that why you take a guy like me or Gindler or Doan? Or, and I'm not knocking guys that played a thousand games that were enforcers. I, I love all that. I'm just saying. If people go, well, you don't need a goon on a team. No, but the teams that have a Lucic, and the teams that have a Wilson and that uh, a Mike or a Nick Foligno even, like, you know, you can have guys that don't necessarily fight. They might do it three or four times in a year, but they don't have to be, but they're still tough. And if it comes down to it, they will. They're, and it, they're willing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you look at all the teams like in the East right now, like the Rangers clearly didn't have that guy. Other than the Rangers, I think maybe the Penguins don't have them. But you look at Washington, Wilson, Brendan Dillon, Zdeno Chara. You look at Boston, you have Kevin Miller that was on, kid can fight. 
Uh, who's the who's the Richie big comes on dude? Every Richie. Once in a while. Yep, and yeah. then you look at the Islanders. You have Johnston, Martin, Clutterbuck, Sezikis. Like those guys are fucking tough. And if you look back at all the Stanley Cup champions, the Lightning they had Patty Maroon, they had Barkley Goodrow, they had Blake Coleman. I know the Always. last few aren't big dudes, but. They're willing, man. They'll fucking go you. And they know that you gotta know that the guy's gonna finish his hit. And you know exactly. it, it often leads to fighting, but I'm just talking grit. I'll mm-hmm. give you another thing. You hear all these people, and it's like and again, I understand it. I'm not saying that it gotta be the Broad Street bullies or even the era I came through. I think that hurt me kind of thing. Because I fought all those guys. If they weren't there, then I wouldn't have been, you know, I would have gotten in naturally probably five to ten a year. Maybe even a five. I don't really know. When I went on the ice, I was thinking, put the puck in the net. I didn't get scouted to go away because I was tough. I didn't even know I could fight. I adapted the era going around around me. But I'm not saying, but but there was some of that that I liked. I liked that I could go out and get a bit of room by fighting. And I liked that I could pick up for my teammate. I didn't like having to go a goon like one second in. And that, that shit didn't make sense. But And we don't have to go there. But what? let's just say here in Canada where people, you know, at least in Newfoundland, a lot of it is leaps or halves. Now, people would sit there and, and knock it on. Again, I know the game is changing, and I'm, I, I listen. You can't have people trying to introduce a game to, to young people. Or imagine an immigrant coming in who you're trying to introduce the national sport in 1989 and watching a blind brawl with beers being thrown. I mean, it would have been embarrassing. Right. But, but you're not going to take it out in, in anyway. So what I'm saying is that even for people that are on that side that think it should be totally gone, I don't think they know what the repercussions would be. And as they say that, they oh, they they applaud Connor McDavid with his 100 points. They applaud Austin Matthews having finally Mitch Murner, Mitch Murner, Austin Matthews. <laughs> Guys, why do they have so much room? You brought in Thornton Simmons. You got Felino. I mean, just their D is solid. They're not like goons, but they're way tougher than they've ever been, starting with Kessel and those guys. You know, if you go back a, la- a decade, then Marner and Matthews come in. What were they missing? We can't put our finger on what they could be missing. And then they get it, and nobody wants to acknowledge it. Like, that's why. Because like, Tom Wilson arguably changed the whole ball game. Now, the New York Rangers fired everybody. What do you think they're going to do next year? Rather than call Washington and go, can you please take him out of your lineup? They're going to go get a guy or guys just like him. And that's why Matthews and Marner are having breakout years. And I'm sure Connor McDavid has been very influenced by Zach Cashin and Darnell Nurse and everybody else that goes out there and finishes hits and fights with him there. He's got all kinds of room. But that, anyway. I, I feel like that's kind of the problem for the Rangers, though. He said they're going to go out and get Wilson. There aren't Wilsons. Like, that's what makes him such a special player. And listen, I'm a Rangers fan. I think Tom Wilson's a scumbag. But if you were to ask me, hey, you want Tom Wilson on your team? And less than a second, I'll say yes. Like, that guy, he changes the whole dynamic of the game, man. It's a lot harder going 200 feet on an ice surface when Tom Wilson's on the ice. That's just a fact. Like, he'll he'll hit you, he'll score, he'll burn you, he'll go around. And the only, I just, I feel like what he did was just kind of a scumbag thing to do. However... I'd have him on my fucking team. I'm not dumb. I want to, at the end of the day, you win a championship with a guy like that on your team. And there's not yeah. many of them out no. there. And that's like, let's say, Ryan Reeves, let's say Ryan Reeves played on the Rangers. I'm, I'm saying not only let's say back in the day, like Dale Perrington and oh, what a guy that Brad guy was Brown, <laughs> and he's not touching it. Right. He's definitely not. 
if they had won Reeves, I'm telling you, I don't know that he's as quick to do that. And but and when I say Reeves, I mean someone that can play. I don't mean right. you gotta go out and get a guy exactly. from the Quebec Penal League. I don't mean that. But I think they're out there. I just think that no one thought they've been a commodity. I think they're gonna be starting to be like I think you're gonna start to see guys in more in the mold of myself, you know, that kind of again, I'm not considering myself that this kind of guy that's gonna go out there and solve it. But I guarantee you that I would that I can't say would have happened or not, because that's a hypothetical, but I definitely would have answered right away. And mm -hmm. I would I would be the guy on the Rangers and you know, hopefully someone a little bit bigger than me, but whatever. Like, you know, yeah, Brendan Smith that kind of got the approach. short end of the stick on that one. I, yeah. That would have been me. Yeah, that would have yeah. been me. But, but you know, like they need a bird dog too. Like they need a someone that's just fucking crazy. They need a couple of tough. They just need more grit. Now, again, I think they're out there. I just think they've been drafted in the eighth and ninth rounds, or they didn't get drafted at all. And I can name a few that I just see here with the Growlers, or that I've seen play Major Junior. I keep a close tie to Major Junior. We get all kinds of guys here that I still help. Uh, <laughs> To, to get out there. So, uh, but yeah, and I, I just think the cycle will come back. I don't think it'll go back to like one shift a game and, and just throw down. And I don't think it should, but again, guys, I mentioned like people forget tight only can play at the end 15 goals, yeah. right? Bob Probert, even he had 30, they, you know, so I'm not even saying those guys, but those kind of guys, I think are going to start coming back. You got to be able to, you got to be able to play now and, and you got to be able to skate, but uh, I think it's going to be more frequent. I feel like you definitely watch a lot more Canadian games than I do, but is Josh Anderson the type of player that you would think would kind of have that type of yeah. uh, skill set in his tool belt? Cause I, when he was on the jackets, he would bang bodies. I think he fought Char a couple of times. He seemed like yeah. that kind of guy. And he could put the puck in the back of that. He is exactly. And I think that it's a great time. Just like real, real estate. It's hot and it's cold. If I'm his agent, I'm going, Oh, let's see how the playoffs play out. <laughs> yeah. Because, that just made him money, what happened a couple of weeks ago or last week. And if the playoffs play out the same sort of way, depending on who wins, although Anderson probably just signed a contract. But that's what I mean. No, I, He's exactly what I mean. You don't have to have this big Hercules, and you also you know, don't want someone that's a Jonathan Drouin. I mean, for fuck's sake. So I can't even watch. I can't stomach. <laughs> I can't stomach watching him play. I can't stomach it. I can't watch him play I, as a fan. As an alumni, let alone if I was on his fucking team. But <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm f bombing a lot. No, you're good. No, you're Go fine. It, um, so, I was gonna, I was gonna show. mention a quick. Uh, there's a documentary. I'm sure everyone's seen it, especially for listening to Morning Skate. Uh, Ice Guardians, and I think it's yeah. it's a phenomenal documentary, and it really brings in the mentality of what what fighting does for the game on the ice, mentally and physically. Uh, and and just to kind of you know maybe put a bow on this this whole segment and and the fighting in the game prime example look at wayne gretzky if marty mcsorley is not next to wayne gretzky you don't see the things that wayne gretzky was able to do wayne gretzky always had that guy and it's unfortunate oh. and the ice guardian that documentary really goes into it you don't see that that guy in the limelight because he's not there for it he's there for that guy that connor mcdavid uh you know guys like that his assignment was make sure he doesn't get hurt if yeah. you have to go hurt someone else so he doesn't get hurt Hurt him, and he was tough make as sure. shit. all those yeah. guys were tough as shit. Scott Parker used to wrap chains around his his fist and punch trees. Punch trees, your fucking mind, dude. He was in my division in junior. He was in my division in junior. Fuck that. <laughs> I trade in, <laughs> in a two in a one one and a half year span in my division. Uh, Prince George had 
all on defense. Eric Brewer, Sheldon Surrey, and Zdeno Chara. Jesus. And then everybody else there that was trying to be those guys were the same way. So there's all kinds of guys that I'm, I, I could name that were like good and tough in junior that didn't make it. But yeah, I mean, that was like Scott Parker. He was par for the course. Now you're not going to believe this. And I'm not taking, he's really, really, really tough. One of the toughest. I don't know if you'd name him top five in our league at the time. Rocky Thompson or Wade Bielak. Brant Myers would definitely be number one. Um, and then you'd have Rocky Thompson. You'd have Bielak for sure. Stephen Pete. Terry, uh, what's that like getting on the ice and lining up against somebody like that? Like, you, like I, I know you're tough and I knew that you fought, but there wasn't like you had been a little bit scared. I would have been shitting my pants looking across and seeing like Wade Bielak, yeah. especially if I was like running around being a rat and shit. Like, yeah, that's, that's I one fought, ball I don't want to run. Uh, there's a good one in junior when I fight Bielak. He's kicking the shit out of me. And then the uh, it's actually on YouTube. I'm, I They separate us. We're going to the penalty. We're going to the dressing rooms, I think. And I go back at him. I don't know what I was thinking, but then I slew foot him and I get him down. And we have a great fight. It's the best I possibly could have done against Bielak. <laughs> he came over in the dressing room. It's the best I possibly It lasted forever, though. I'm, I'm sure that it, it helped get me drafted. I'm, I'm sure, like, where I did. It definitely, it was, it was early in the year. And it definitely put me more on the radar than I was, um, uh, if I remember correctly. But I know, I know this part. I, I, I know he came over after, and into my dressing room, and just congratulated me. And he talked, told me what it was like to go to NHL camp. And at the time, I know it was a different time. They were getting on their bus to go back, and he, we had a beer. Uh, but God, you get shit for that now. But yeah, but yeah, um, Belak was great. But um, how was it? I used it for adrenaline. I, I didn't. I, I prefer it spur of the moment. I didn't like going to bed the night before knowing, but sometimes you just do the right, you know, do the math. You look and you're right. like, okay, we got Ryan Brown, Jeremy Thompson, and Rob Butts are out tonight uh, or tomorrow yeah. night. They're playing in Moose Jaw. Reed Lowe is there. He's going to want to, you know, there's scouts here. So that in that way, but I just make it as tolerable as possible. I'd go out and go, hey, usually very, not very rare, but. I had Jody Shelley on my podcast last week, and we actually Probably talked about shit. exactly. Jody came to me and, and said, "You know, I," and I knew it though, because Thornton was out of our lineup. I was with the St. John's Maple Leafs, and he said, "I might have to go down to Johnstown if I don't really pick it up soon. I need a couple fights," and I did too. So we did it, but uh, again, that was probably one out of every ten maybe happened that way. Usually, you know, just I, I knew it, the person knew it, and you just waited. And I didn't like. I couldn't play the whole game knowing that that was going to happen. So I get out of the, Frank Bialois in Philly was a great example. He was a killer. I knew we were going to go for one reason or another. And I just got out of the way for a shift. But <clears throat> normally, yeah, I, I knew because something would have happened. I, I was a more, as Chris Nyland would say, a defender. I, I would, I would react because even when I was, a third liner in pro at times, you know, I was still on the power plane. So I, 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 I don't know if I was ever in that class. And again, I don't, I want to knock these people. Scott Parker, I mean, he could play as well. I think he had 25 or 30 goals in the Western league. So I, I believe that that guy is going to come back. I think there's a Parker out there. I just don't think that they would have been as much of a commodity because people might say, well, your skating's not so good or this or that. But that's how the game improves. You're just going to have to get better skaters. Like, you know what? Okay. So there isn't going to be a – I don't want to name anybody because I got respect. I know what you're saying. There, mm -hmm. there isn't going to be a meatball that, that 
can't play senior hockey but is up here in the NHL. No, it evolves. It's going to be guys like Lucic. It's going to be guys like Reeves, and they're just going to be more of a commodity. You know, and, and when people see it, junior kids see it or whatever, they're going to step up, and then, you know, it, 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 it's, it's cyclical, and it happens all over. And I don't care. They can ban it as much as they want. I, I think one mistake might be banning it so much. I think in junior, I don't even pay attention anymore. I, I, honestly, I don't care. Until it's only injuries and stuff. Because if the game changes, I don't care. If there's no fights, whatever. It's what you want. If the majority of fans want to see it, I'm not going to sit here and be down cherry forever. I get it. I'm just telling you, when it comes to injuries and shit, it's all. I think it's always going to be there because I know what it's like to be in a dressing room. And it, you know, if I was on the Rangers the other day, I think it'd be okay. If there's no fighting, then I take my stick like a baseball bat and I tell everybody I'm going to do it. And I crack them over and I lose $200,000, whatever I do. But so I also get the key to the city. Maximum I'm also 5, the most popular ranger that year. So tell me, <laughs> yeah. you know. This sounds some bucks doing that. Yeah, I'm just telling you that I think it's going to happen. Whether it does or not, fine. But, you know, and, and, and I, that's why I think is if you take it out, you prematurely take it out of all junior hockey, which is kind of going that way. I think you start to get like a major suspension now after your third fight. Um, then... Because guy, what's going to start happening is Ovechkin, when he kicked the shit out of Svechnikov the other year, guys are going to start coming up and they leave themselves wide open. Then it's worse. Then you get hit, you know, by the time most guys that ended up fighting at all in the NHL had at least double digits in junior, you know, like you would have had know how to defend yourself. I played with Damon Lankow. He went fifth overall. He wasn't known as a fighter. You know, we got, you know, I fought more than he did, but, you know, Lank's got his hands dirty here and there like right. you know you knew what you were doing kind of thing so and i'm not encouraging young kids to fight but the same shit happens in juniors it's, just, it's not as publicized but i'm telling you i watch all of it the same problems happening in junior guys, guys are going now getting like suspended for breaking their stick over someone's ankle because they're pissed off it's a game and you want to win yeah <laughs> and, i uh i i, be, I preach it uh on a podcast that we run down here in texas we're we're uh we're big uh component or proponents of the uh, echl I think to me, yeah, that's one of the most pure leagues around because you're a couple of steps from the show, but you know that you're going to have to go out and bang, and yeah. you got kids finishing their checks because these kids are playing for the rest of their lives. Uh, it's fun. It's an absolute blast. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you see these kids really going out there and doing everything they can to make sure that they start the next night or the night after. Um, but there's still a little bit of, you know, there's a camaraderie to it. But at the end of the day, to me, it's 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 one of the purest leagues out there still. Uh, you know, it's not it's not publicized, it's not televised. I think that's a big key too. Is the the NHL is the most watched hockey league in the world, and with Batman sitting there saying, "I know this is the most watched league. We need to make it more friendly. We're going to get rid of the fighting." You go down to the AHL, ECHL, juniors, things like that. You're not seeing it nationally televised. You and so. I, I don't think the commissioners have that much of a worry. So it kind of it, it's more of that pure, you know, hockey s skill set than maybe when you get in the NHL. It's a little more fluent, a little smoother. You don't see it as often. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, you're right. And another thing, another thing. First of all, I want to make clear, like I'm not ranting, like so much against these people like i'm not calling them snowflakes or anything i i understand what they're saying i just haven't been part of that game and in the system i i just don't know how you're going to take it away okay that's first of all second of all 
I think, yes, there's a little bit more in the minors because I think there's a little more desire and, and you know, to get up and, and, and in the East Coast League, you know, I watch the Growlers games here. We've had an AHL team. We got all kinds of NHL exhibition games. We've had a junior team. The East Coast League is my favorite to watch because they want to get called up to the AHL, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like doubly, like for them, a game in the AHL is just like, you know, the best best thing in the world. And then, you know, when you get to the AHL, you're like, Jesus, you know, I'm one step from the NHL. And, and, and within any minor league team, there's all kinds of dynamics because like, even the guys on the coast, there's guys that are uh, on a loan that are, know they're going to be in the A. There's guys that get called in for two games. They played junior A last year, and, you know, they got their first shot. And there's all this going on, but there's generally a huge desire. No one is on a contract in the East Coast League that they are they want to be on the rest of their lives. It's possible in the A, right, because you can be you can be out of one way and sent down. Uh, you, you can be Freddie Anderson, and he's playing in the AHL now. But find the coast is real pure major juniors close second. Um, but it just, it, as far as I've seen, I, and, and major junior used to be first. I think now, at least from what the angle that I see it, because again, I hate to get to the fighting, the fighting's banned. In the, in, it, 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 it's starting to go that way in junior and guys. Um, I, I again, I, I don't want to harp on the fighting part of it. Um, but what, what were you just saying you're about? Okay. So you're, you're in Texas and you watch that. Okay. So I think the greatest brand of hockey, no matter, I think the NHL gets there and they get there in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's I, nothing I, I, like playoff hockey, man. It's just yeah, it's, it's right? regular season, just like on steroids. That's all it yes. is. So I just think that when I watch some growlers games in November, <coughs> I often see the same intensity. That's, I'm not yeah. saying the NHL doesn't get there. I think the regular season doesn't always get there. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 you know, once in a while something happened and stir your attention. McDavid getting 100 points, uh, going for 100 the other night. That was great. Uh, Brad Marchand licked someone's face. You know, <laughs> it, so, you know there, there, there's storylines. Well, Terry, what's also cool is these teams played each other way more than the, they normally played each other this year. And now you're going to be going into playoffs. Boston, I don't think, opens with the Islanders. But last night, Komarov took a butt end to David Pasternak. There's other storylines th that these teams have seen throughout the years. Yes. You guys mentioned Florida and Tampa. Mm -hmm. They fucking went at it. The kid who actually played in the ACHA played in his first NHL game. He was a guy yeah, big shot up the them, But that was sick. I, I just I feel like playoff oh. hockey it's always awesome and I'm just hoping it's going to be a little bit more because these guys have gone to war against each other all year. Can you imagine when fans come back? It's going to seem oh crazy. And that's Unreal. the other thing. Get me, get me. A, 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 you know, but if 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 you could have fans now in Montreal and they were playing Toronto again, I'm using this. It's mostly what I see, but I, I, I it's not like I I don't watch hockey every day here. I just think this is the best example. Because Montreal is going to have to really throw them off to win, and if they were in the Bell Center, which is a hard rink to play in, um, and they, you know, they and they started getting chippy, and they had the fans behind them. So, I, I, I guess one overall thing I want to say is that it, this sounds like a rent against the game now, but it's not. It's it's almost a rent against a lot of people think that it's going to get to no fighting. I think we're in an all right place. I don't need a ton of fights. No, it is physical. People say, well, hockey's not the same as it used to be. But hold on, though. Hold on. Because I've merely been defending certain parts of it that I like. But I think it's still real physical. I don't know 
it's not quite as physical, but you know, if we're going to trade that for some speed and finesse, I don't mind. Like any <laughs> anybody that goes to their first game now and says, "What a wuss league!" Like there's still heavy hitting. There mm-hmm. still is fighting. When playoff comes, you know, we all like, a lot of people that played either with or against me or were fans, even a little bit older than me, watching me come up. I understand how they're married to that idea of wanting like fights every whistle. That's not what I want either, but I don't think it is gone. Like I, like I, again, sometimes it takes people, I get some messages from my podcast. Cause again, what I was going to get into earlier is like the middle part of the books, the film world, and then folklore was getting my degree and some stories that go along with that. So I, I get lots of people listen to my podcast that I know through the film world. I mean, lots. And they get introduced to the game through my podcast. So I have a lot of people on. I don't know. I had Biz Nasty on three or four, you know, ago. So I saw, I saw that you you went on Southpaw's podcast, didn't you? I did. Yeah. What a fucking beauty that Darren guy is. He came yeah, on. He's we've great. been following him on Twitter for years. He has like fucking binders of like junior C fights from like 1983, yeah, he's, and he knows every one of them. I, I, he's had some of my fights that I didn't have, and I, <laughs> I thought I collected everything. I know it's wild, um, but people will. Will like they, they get so confused and say a lot. I get a lot of Momoa's um, fans, right? Because they know I did, and I'll bring uh, stories about him up. And when I say Momoa, I'm saying Jason Momoa. He, he was right. in the show Frontier. So the very first scene of Frontier is, is me getting my throat slit for spoiler alert. But I mean, it's the very, the very, very first. <laughs> Not missing much after that. Yeah, that's how that happens. And then, but then they change my face and everything, and I come back in season three of The Running Man, and then I'm, I'm, I do so. In season one, he came over. I just met him that day. Then, um, you know, I gave him my book and he liked it. And I took him skating here. He he, he loved. He always loved hockey and he had a roller hockey. He has a roller hockey rink in his house. No shit. In California. Wow. But he never skated. So we took him on the ice and then he, so then. Can you imagine having a roller hockey rink and just never skating? It's awesome. Like, that must be so fucking assistant. cool. I was his person <laughs> for six months. He made me his personal assistant because he, he, wow. he wanted to give the lady that was doing it a break. Yeah. So he took me everywhere. It was wild. So. When, when, yeah, so I guess point B, he, he, in season two and three, I'm also in, like, I'm in that first scene, but I come back and you would never know it, but I'm doing stunts. And a lot of time, when there's a war scene, you don't know who's who, right? Mm-hmm. But I actually have a character again in season three. But anyway, anyway, um, but I get a lot of people from that world that are listening to my podcast. So that, I had one guy called Kim Farty, and his, his brother plays... Um, uh, Australian who was rules football and he's on, on like the national team and stuff. He's, he's Jason stuntman, like his stunt double. There's, mm-hmm. there's, I do some stunts, but I've never been a stunt double. So he, he's big like Jason. He puts on the wig and everything. So anyway, he listens. He goes, I just don't understand. I, I just don't get it. I'm like, why? He goes, if, 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 cause he'll hear biz nasty on or Jody Shelley or Brant Myers. We, you know, people always, it goes to like how the game's not tough anymore. And I got to be reminded from these people. Cause he's like, what are you talking about? We just shot on scene. They just did a show C. They did it in Pittsburgh. And he's like, you know, this is a couple of years ago. He's like, I- I'm going. He goes, I don't understand what you're talking about. If if it was worse than this, because he goes, my brother plays Australian rules football and so did Kim and not on the national team. But he's like, this is the roughest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you're right. It's just these traditionalists. And sometimes because of Twitter and you get these opposites and everybody got an opinion. Everybody. So I think people get their... They just get their, their their wits out of sort for no reason. I, I think the game is in a good place. I do think the Rangers should smarten up and have a guy like Wilson, and I think it'll be cyclical. 
But I'm not all up in arms about it. If anything, something like that needs to happen to keep everybody yeah. honest. But, you know, I watched lots of games. And like you said, yeah, the Habs picked up Anderson. They got Gallagher, who, Gallagher, who works his nuts off. I mean, that's as Maybe. good as fighting. I'm saying he's tough. Uh, Shane, Weber. Shane Weber can rip your limbs off and beat you with them. Totally. <laughs> and, you know, Duran, Duran is a total wuss, but Suzuki's starting to finish his hits. Matt, Austin Matthews is a full ice player now, and he wasn't, and he finishes his hits. He's never going to be Crosby, which I love uh, watching Crosby. But, you know, I think I think teams are starting to correct, you know, and adjust. And I think if they were to have one guy who couldn't skate that could just beat people up, that would almost be short-sighted. So I'm not saying that. Uh, and I don't think the game is in this shambles that everybody thinks it is. I just think sometimes people get worked up because of, you know, these stances on Twitter from someone that works for the hockey news that never skated 100%. and, you know, thinks that there there should be no fighting and, and no hitting and, you know, whatever it might be, whatever it might be. I mean, Terry, I'm a Rangers fan. I've been a Rangers fan my whole life. I will openly tell you that we're probably the worst fans in the league other than maybe Toronto. So, like, when the Panarin thing happened, you knew that there was going to be a lot of pissed off things mm -hmm. that were going on. But uh, we've had you for, like, an hour. I got, I got three more oh. questions that I would like to ask you if that's okay. Uh, the first one for people who haven't seen you play the game is there is there a player in the NHL that you kind of could see that reminds you of yourself? Well, for lack, I wasn't as much of a shit disturber, but definitely Kachuk. You know, on Calgary, okay. I Love you know if you were if you were to take me in every other league that I'd played in against my peers, that's the way I would play. You know, I went to the AHL. I wasn't much different. I I, I think I had twenty one goals. 250 minutes. I answered the bell a little bit more, but again, the game is gone. You're not going to get anybody with 34 fights, nor should you. But the way he approaches it, I, I never ever, again, I, I wasn't really an agitator, although I played hard. So some, some people would consider me maybe one, but I don't know. Well, that's, probably the I, I the that's probably the best example. That's probably the best example that I can think of. You know, I, I was a power forward. You know, it, I wasn't a huge power forward. It was I was average size, 6'1", 195, whatever. I like, I like that answer a lot. My second question, you do, the, you do the acting. Is there like a movie or a character that you want to play? Like what would what would be your number one thing? Like if you could play anything in a movie. That or is a TV, fantastic question. So I'm going to tell you this. There is a – I kind of – I don't have a huge resume yet, but – I kind of played it. There's a movie called A Fire in the Cold Season. We did it here. I think you can get it on Amazon Prime now. Okay. And a guy came to me. I was going to be in one scene, okay? And my character's name is Coyote. So this guy had moved away. He comes back. I don't think the Newfoundland is mentioned, but you can tell it's the Canadian. You can tell it's the Canadian winter. Mm -hmm. And um, so this guy went and, and, he, and he loses his job and then he gets fucked over on workers comp and he loses his family and he gets on the drugs. So he basically comes back and he's a psycho for hire. Like, so I play a hitman basically for lack of a better way to put it. It's yeah, a great story. A great story. They, they, this guy finds, finds a dead body to, to open the movie by the river and connected to him is a lot of money that he owed. And then there's three different groups of players that come in. And I ended up, so I was only in one scene and the guy loved it. And he, he, he said, you come in with the mustache. And then he shaved this weird haircut in and he gave me a 
bunch of lines and he said, I love this. So he wrote me right through to the final scene and I end up, yeah, all I can say is that this guy is a fucking psycho, psycho, absolutely no empathy. He's a um, sociopathic killer. And uh, my daughter actually, my, my daughter in real life plays for, she's in a couple of scenes. She plays the daughter of one of the guys that, that I'm going after. I'm putting a hit on. Uh, so I really, and I, you know, a hockey player, and I got to do that with Letterkenny. I, if, if it could go any further, of course, I would like, to, I, I would like to play the hero, I guess, but I, I don't know if it could ever go there because I don't act enough. I don't think to be a leading man. Um, I don't, you know, we have three studios and the way I see my acting career going. So there's shows that happen. Like one is called Hudson and Rex. It's on now and it's shown all over the world. It's CTV. So they'll, you know, we're one of, we're very, for our province, we're o overrepresented when it, when it comes to actors and musicians and things. So we have two major studios here, like Frontiers Hollywood. Like they came here to do that. I don't know that they have one in most provinces. I know in, in Vancouver and Toronto, it's big. But just so you know, yeah, so there are shows that come here. At Murdoch Mysteries, there's, there's been a few. Robert Redford shot a movie here a couple of years ago. I was, I, I, I did look. Uh, yeah, I, I did lo locations from one called Maudie with Ethan Hawke. So that stuff happens. And what, what often happens is that rather than say for Hudson and Rex, if they were to fly everybody in, every, you know, from at least Toronto, where most people come from, you know, then you got to pay for their way, their hotel. I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming. Uh, because if I go to Toronto and I go to audition, it's happened. I usually just end up working on crew, um, unless even I'm established now, and, and you know I, I'm going against hundred other people. There's no like, you know, there, there's there's no loyalty or no, you know, it's just a big world that you're going in. And if I got a look, it's usually about a look. So that's why I don't get my tooth fixed, right? Because I've been a pimp, a drug dealer, a hockey player, a boxer, <laughs> and show called Little Dog. I play a boxer and the guy boxes my tooth. I literally put a chicklet in and spit it. I must have been <laughs> the only person to actually spit a chicklet for a living. But So what happens, they come over and they need like a villain for an episode or they need like a stunt done or something. So then you'll see a casting call come up. So I go out to them and, you know, I don't know. I, I can just do the numbers by the people going in. I know that there's not as many people as going in Toronto, even though it's a big production. I don't know if they want it so does an actor, unless it's had a resume, do they cost 1500 bucks to get here from there? So like, you know, that's, that's a real disadvantage. If I want to go to an NHL game, man, I got to take that in. If I want to take my daughter to see a concert, okay, you're two to three grand in. A deal is eight, 900 bucks. So before it even starts. So I don't know how it works, but I would assume there's less people here going. So once I get to know the casting directors, they'll go, oh, well, you know what? Before you fly this guy in, I think maybe you should see TR for this. So I think I'm in just in an advantageous place. I know that if I lived in, you know, Brandon, Manitoba or somewhere, nothing, nothing, there's anything wrong with that. I've had a few opportunities to move, though. But it's not like people are flying me in to do these things other than Letterkenny. They just come and I end up being a pretty good local bet, right? So, And what happens a lot of the time, I'm burned, like in Hudson and Rex. Now it's in season four. But that was episode nine or ten of season one. I played the gunman, right? The guy coming in. It's about a police dog it's you know it's about a, a dog basically and then a police chief and you know them solving crimes it's been done right but um i 
you know, it's entertaining. People like it. It's shown all over the world. People love the dog. So, you know, I'm in there. But like, after that, I, I'm not going to go in and get another role on the same show. Right. So they'll stay here for three or four years shooting. And then I'm like, well, I'm relegated to. I do. I'm on the SWAT team in there because there's a mask over my face and stuff. So I, I get some work. But I just think I'm in the right place in the right time. And I don't think I'm going to get to be the hero unless they wrote a show around me. But I was lucky that I got to be this villain. I'd highly recommend it, even though I'm in it. Um, if anybody's interested in seeing anything that I've done, I'd say the frontier, the first scene there is funny more than anything, now that you know who I am. Uh, but you know, outside of Letterkenny, definitely a fire in the cold season. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good, solid thriller. That, I mean, that's for sure. Definitely going to have to check that out. And then the other question I have for you, you can throw your own music festival, your own jamboree, your own concert. You invite all your family, you invite all your friends. You can have three bands or artists play this concert venue. Who are the three people that you're picking? Well, my daughter's name is Penny Lane. I love the Beatles. Okay, so anybody, if I could see Ringo and Paul play together, and they have in Ringo's All-Star Band. But, you know, that sounds like a bad answer. Ringo's All-Star Band. I would want to see, though, the Beatles. <laughs> Ringo's All-Star Band. That's, a new beer, that's my new beer league hockey I've team. Seen Paul. I flew away. I've seen Paul play, yeah, a bunch of times, uh, most notably in L.A. Water show. But um, played in the Idaho Steelheads, and that was where my career ender happened, to be honest. It happened in Dallas, but when I went there, I realized and the team flew me over there uh, because I was pretty pretty down and out. So that was shout-out to Idaho. But let, let's take those guys out of the running bin. If it wasn't the Beatles, who would I want to see right now? Three. I'm assuming one would be tragically hip. Do they not make your top three? They do, but Gord Downey died last year. Okay. And, well, and, yeah. And I've okay. seen them a ton. Okay. Whoever I've wanted to see, I've seen. I'm huge into music, right? We're talking thousands and thousands of albums, whether it's vinyl, CD, like thousands. I mean, a lot of my guests are musicians. I hang out with more musicians than hockey players because of where I live. I guess I'm in that scene, but you know, that's a huge part of my life. So I don't want to give you anybody I've seen again. So let's give you a current. The, my favorite rock current band that I'd really like to see new on the scene is Greta Van Fleet. Wouldn't mind seeing them great, live. I think it would be a bit. Yeah, I mean, you know. Kid's got a, uh, kid's got a, once, in a once in a lifetime voice. Once in a lifetime voice. And I like that. You know, they know they're rock stars. They're carrying on that style. Like, yeah, they got great style. You know, they, they're aware that they sound like Led Zeppelin, even though Absolutely. I don't, it's not, you know, people that say that, I'm like, you understand that Puff Daddy had a hit with every breath you take. You, you know that I'm missing you is exact, exactly that song. I'm not saying it's right. not good, but it's exactly that song. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know I know they kind of, rep, you know, they, 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 definitely sound a little and look a little like like Led Zeppelin, but I think they're very original mm -hmm. and it's a breath of fresh air. Um, outside of that, wow, this is a good question. So now it's I've got a hard think. question because yeah. like you don't want to just shoot from the hip. Are you a no. country guy? I'm hoping you say Florida George Line to speak oh Lord's Lord. <laughs> I, I Okay, but I've seen everybody. I, I, I like some country. I, when I lived out west in the 90s, I loved it. It, I, it's becoming fewer and further between, although. Shout out Shania Twain. Church. No, no. I, I, okay. You know who would be on my list? 
one of the two, Tyler Childers or Sturgill Simpson. Dude, if Tyler Childers is unbelievable, is he not? That song, yeah. Feathered Indians, man, that I, I turn that on almost all the time. I'm oh. like, okay, I'm going to have a good time. I'm so going to have a good time. One of those two. Now, have you ever heard Coulter Wall? No. Okay, so he's, he's Canadian, but I just saw him play with the Tyler, Childhood, uh, Tyler Childers in New York at some gig, so he's going to be next on the scene. I'm okay. Um, Coulter Wall. Listen, right when we hang up, Listen to the song Kate McCannon by Coulter Wall. Okay? <laughs> Give it a chance. I'm going to lead with that because that's my favorite. It's real dark. It's real good, though, real spooky. He sounds like he's 90 years old. I think he's like 23. Uh, Kate McCannon. Uh, so, but okay, I'm going to pick one of that genre. So I'm going to pick Tyler Childers then. And then, you know what? Again, I, one of the Beastie Boys are dead. So I couldn't. Um, I don't know if you know these guys. They're I think they're from Kingston. Have you ever heard of the Glorious Sons? Yes, I've seen them though. They played here. They opened up Jim Cuddy. Jim Cuddy was one of my guests. He's one of my best friends. Plays in a band, Blue Rodeo, from Canada, and they're massive. Okay. Uh, and the Glorious Sons. They're great for them. Seen them a couple times. Yeah, they're real, real good. Like I, I I'm really surprised that you know them. I but think any, they opened for the Rolling Stones. I'm pretty sure, which is like, that's fucking pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I, I'm keeping you here, but I'm going to say I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, I know it would be impossible to see NWA, but let's say let's say Ice Cube. I'd like to see, you know, That'd be cool. play those tunes. Yeah. I, I'd i like to pick different genres, okay? And I'm, I'm uh, I do like, so I don't like where hip-hop went. I, I, I don't really know. The top 40 now and it's not a black or a white thing either, because I like all different representation. I just when I say that a lot now, it gets that tension. But no, no, I I I think there's all kinds of great artists of all colors. I just think it's all TikTok songs now. That's yeah, all like, top forty hip hop. There's some like the EDM hip hoppy sound of monotonous, and everybody's going there. Like Snoop Dogg went there. I I, I don't know. I Eminem's going there. I put it on. I'm like, why am I listening to it? Yeah. I don't understand that sound. So <laughs> I don't get a lot of that. But, you know, I do have a place in my heart for some some good rap hip hop. And I, I think given the options, of, and I mean by who's alive and who's not, I think I'd like to see Cube. I mean, that, that'd be a fucking sick concert. Fink, do you have any other questions for the legendary rhymes? I mean, you know, if you guys don't follow Terry on Instagram, it's a fantastic follow. Uh, like you were mentioning, huge in the music. Um, obviously, uh, because of your interview with Spit and Chicklets, you've got some notoriety back in the system. Um, it's been a pleasure to uh, talk with you, uh, get to know you kind of on a different level through your social media and through this, um, you know, Give our best to Senior. I love watching him on your Instagram stories. Love seeing him along with you uh, just jamming out to music on Friday, Saturday night. Um, I will say, because we got to give you a plug, and obviously you've got the two books out, um, super successful. You've got the podcast. Um, can you give us the specials at TJ's Pub? Because if if not, you're going to give it to us on Instagram. we got to know the specials. Oh, man, guys, I just come up. That, that's just off the top of my head on the way down, and it, it's great to just – TJ's Pub uh, was Turkey Joe's, and that mm -hmm. used to be the AHL bar everybody went to. The St. John's Maple Leafs came here in 91, which really was groundbreaking for sports in the province. And, you know, I, I say my dad took us away, but definitely part of it was that. Like, pro people had to come here, right? And, and all of a sudden, a couple times, uh, planes, this is true, the planes couldn't get in because of the fog. 
So they had to take guys out of the lo- look it up. There was a guy, Andy Sullivan, and he played like out of the local senior league in the AHL and played like 31 games, had like 14 points, like and like playing very minimally and, and like taking face-offs was like a great player for them. And, and then, so that also really helped. Um, so um, where are we going with that again? Oh, uh, just what this, what's this, what are the specials at TJ's pub? Oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Jesus Christ. But anyway, do I ever ramble? But so anyway, when that happened, uh, a lot of the locals, my buddy, so 94, I mean, 95, I was 18. So we weren't even really old enough. Is 19 to drink in, in Newfoundland. Not that they check a lot, but back then. But <laughs> yeah, back then I used to go with Vaseline and pepper on my face and, and let it look like stubble. <laughs> yeah, put, put my hat down like this. That's how I would get in, into the bar, man, at 14 years old. So, <laughs> 14 um, years old. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but that was the bar. So it ended up being all the hockey players went to this small little dive bar, Turkey Joe's, man. It was wild. It's like going to uh, Harry O's or, or – uh, I forget the places out in LA, but you know, it's one of those, it's a small little place, but it's got a real cool patio and all the young hockey players and everything started coming. And so over time it just became this association and it never really, so we only named it, we renamed it TJ's last summer coming out of the pandemic, but it was Mm -hmm. still there. Turkey Joe's not the crowd started to dissipate a little bit. So it's always got a really nice patio. It was never Mm -hmm. in trouble, but you know, so anyway, my but the film industry had, had quit, and like I said, I was writing that book. All I did, I, I digressed so much that I, I initially was telling you guys what I was saying was that's that's nothing was happening. So really, I was only writing that book, and I'm like, I can do that at any point. And Steph, uh, Stephen Hancock's his name. He said, Well, you know, I'm, I'm either going to get rid of it or I'm going to figure something out or change it. So if you want to take it over, so that was it. I said, Well, I think I can get people in there. It's going to be my my methods are going to be very off the wall and but i said don't think radio ad or anything i said i got and i was just starting to pick up some steam on social media from everything else from my podcast was picking up steam um so i was like you know it's going to reach a lot of people a lot are local and i'm saying you know we got to in downtown st john's let's just put off a nice little bird that's coming into the patio season anyway and that was it and we, we we you know we some novel little ideas that we had and it worked so I would get up like I do now, man. We're getting into spring again. I just get on my bike and I go to, I leave, I go every morning and like open the place up and then we go and some ideas, call the sponsors or whatever, have all the beer and all those, that shit set up. Mm-hmm. And then me and two buddies that I actually, uh, one of them I play hockey with, uh, played hockey with uh, locally. And uh, we go down, whatever it feels like that weekend, man. And uh, <laughs> it's been great because people drop down for that reason. It's really laid back. It's only been 50% capacity. Mm-hmm. So, we we're hitting that right, so there, there's no real pressure to change much up. It's just been a really laid back. It's like you know, I don't know if it was this. If, if I lived in Florida, I'd probably call it Margaritaville. That's what the patio, you know, it's just laid back. <laughs> yeah. right? There's an acoustic guitar. Now we turn it into a club downstairs and everything, but the patio's open. That's generally what happens. Right. So, you know, that's just off all off the top of my head. All I all I can tell you is that this weekend it'll be two for one, Jameson's. Everything else that seems to be the go-to from what I've seen uh, is the the two for one Jamesons. Thanks for for tuning in. Yeah, I'm definitely going to put that on my bucket list. I have to get there at least one point in my life and have a fucking night. But Terry, I mean, dude, you're an easy guy to root for. Coming from where you came from and just battling and just, I mean, you're a hockey player, and that's that's what we do. We do a hockey podcast. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Hopefully, we can get you on again. We'll talk some more stories and. 
yeah, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, before I go, I will say this. Um, to give your your uh, question a little more thought, it just popped into my brain. Yeah. I would like to see, I've seen Eric Clapton. I like to see a great guitarist. And I've seen most that I wanted to see, but I haven't seen Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. I love Dire Straits anyway, but Mark Knopfler is, a, I think he's the most underrated guitarist. I got into like his his solo stuff and I'm listening to it and like, you know, not everybody when they're like in their twenties wants to hear songs that go on for 17 minutes. But sometimes I've just come to really, really appreciate Mark Knopfler. And if I could see him play with the lineup that is Dire Straits, um, I also think one of the most underrated albums ever is Brothers in Arms from 1985. Love it. So that, if you're an, a Rangers fan, I would say the Panarin thing, one would piss you off. The biggest thing I'd be pissed off is this Tony D'Angelo, whatever his name is, yeah. this unbelievable talent that's pissing it all down the toilet. Um, that all, would be he, all he had to do was just shut up and play hockey. That's all, all he, he had, had to do. do. Yeah. And, and make millions of dollars. And now, Incredible player. <clears throat> I mean, it, it makes you just, as a fan, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Outside of that, thank you. My podcast is called Tales with TR. Um, and maybe I'm going to start opening up soon. Maybe I could have you guys over. I thought about having maybe some podcasts. You know, I get one guest a week. But it's really starting to take off, and I'm, I've started to only take it serious in the last few months, to be honest with you. Well, I don't want to insult anybody that's been listening, but real serious in that, you know what, I'm going to dive into this. I started to get some sponsorship money, and it's been going well so far. So I uh, just wanted to drop that. And again, if you want my book, the new one, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, contact me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Generally what I do, guys, I sign it. I put a picture in. Um, it's 20 bucks if you were to buy it online and I sell it for 25 with a picture and a couple of bookmarks, whatever, you know, I dress it up. Well, Terry, man, thank you for coming on. Uh, dude, keep up what you're doing, man. Cause diehard hockey fans like us, we look forward to seeing shit like this. I love the fact that you're genuine. You are who you are. There's, there's no, like that's Terry. Ryan. There's <laughs> not, not one second. Am I like, this guy's giving me bullshit and I respect a straight shooter, man. So thank you for coming on guys. That was this episode of the morning skate. Be sure to tune in, and we will talk to you guys next week. Hey, boys, thanks. I really appreciate it. Well, he floats outside my prison window, marking those within. And he sinks to me real low. It's hell to where you go. You didn't murder Caden McCannon Dark-haired daughter with long green eyes. 